Are you an EMDR therapist and parent who wants to make more money, have more time with your family, and get better results with your clients? Welcome to the Future Template Parent Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Solo, LCSW, EMDR consultant, business coach, and mom of three kids under seven. I realized that the grind of weekly sessions was taking a massive toll on my ability to be the kind of parent and therapist I wanted to be. So I dove headfirst into learning about intensives. I read all the books and articles and did all the trainings. Now I've transformed my schedule, my income, and my clinical outcomes by offering intensive EMDR in my practice. I want to teach you how to do this too, so you can build a practice you love and spend more quality time with your family. Let's create the future template for your life as a parent and as a therapist. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Future Template Parent Podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Solo, LCSW EMDR therapist and mom of three daughters. Thank you for joining me this week. Today, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about a question that I hear from time to time from coaching clients and from other EMDR therapists. And the question is, well, first of all, If some people are asking the question, I know that many other people have the same question. So I thought, hey, great, why not do a little episode about this? So what is that question? The question is, what if my client expects me to fix everything about their life, all of their therapy, you know, presenting issues that they'll ever, ever have in an intensive? Um, First, I kind of want to talk a little bit about why this question is even coming up for therapists why it maybe comes up for clients, and finally, how to answer it. So first of all, why do EMDR therapists have this idea that an an intensive should be the be-all, end-all therapy experience for a client for a lifetime? I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I think you get my point. Um, I think it comes from many places. Uh, First of all, I think when we're first trained in EMDR, it is so new and so different, and it's so exciting. It's like this really new and transformational modality. Um, Even in our basic training, we start to see how profoundly impactful it can be. I'm sure that all basic trainings have practicum, practicum sessions, and you maybe experience it as a therapist in your practicum, seeing someone else make a profound shift. Maybe you even experience it yourself. Maybe you have had EMDR therapy before you become an EMDR therapist. Um, All these reasons why you come in with this like real excitement about EMDR. Um, It can feel like the opportunities and the possibilities of EMDR are almost limitless, right? Especially compared to what we're used to seeing in talk therapy. You know, maybe this is the answer we've been looking for all along. A therapy modality that finally allows clients to make progress in ways that didn't feel possible before. Um, Maybe we can finally get through the stuck stuff, right? The triggers, the reactions, the symptoms that we thought we'd never really be able to change for a client or for ourselves, right? At best, maybe we'd be able to learn coping skills or teach coping skills that we'd be able to access at certain points but, you know, have to continually use over and over again whenever we're triggered. But now with EMDR, we're being taught that we could pull out stuff at the root, right? Eradicate. That's, I don't know if you guys know this about me. I've probably talked about it, but I used to teach Latin and Greek 
And the word radix in Latin means root. So eradicate means to pull out by the roots, right? So eradicate symptoms. Um, so right, maybe we can finally do that. Um, finally move through the traumas that were creating these symptoms and not just treat symptoms and provide symptom management, right? Like when you're when you're sick, say you have a, a heart condition, right? And one of the symptoms is high blood pressure. You could treat the symptoms, but what if there's also a way to treat the heart condition that would mean you wouldn't have high blood pressure anymore? I am not a doctor. I have no idea if any of that makes sense, but I think you get the idea, right? But how exciting is that? Say, maybe you're not going to have that thing anymore instead of here's a medication to treat that thing that you'll always have to take, right? And at our basic training, at our consultation groups, at advanced trainings, in publications, on listservs, wherever you get your info about EMDR, you're probably hearing about amazing outcomes, right? I remember reading on Instagram something along the lines of EMDR is the closest thing to a magic wand that therapists have. Like, whoa, amazing, a magic wand, like, get me some of that, right? <laughs> Um, we hear about the PTSD client who's, quote, cured after 12 sessions of EMDR, right? So with all of that promise, like, we want to believe we can deliver. We, we almost need to believe we can deliver, right? Like a magic wand, like, that's a hell of a lot of pressure, right? And if we're offering an intensive, like, ah, that's so much therapy, well, then we think we better be able to deliver a lot then, Right? So then perhaps as we start to practice, we start to notice that maybe, just maybe, and this happened to me, we're not getting these blockbuster outcomes, right? We're not, we're seeing people for weekly sessions for months, for years. We're not feeling, quote, done. We start to fear, if we're thinking about intensives, how can I offer an intensive and promise big results when I'm not yet getting those results with hourly clients? I'm willing to bet that you are getting results. You're just having a hard time giving yourself credit for what is happening or seeing what's happening. But, you know, we're like, this person's still depressed, right? Um, you know, we're like, what if the problem is me? What if it's not EMDR? Because I know EMDR is good. Other people are doing it well. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me, right? That imposter syndrome starts to pre creep in, right? Is everybody else doing it right? And I'm not doing it right? Um I feel like I'm getting very animated. I just have some ice cream. So hot and it's the afternoon. So I'm like on a sugar high. Um, I also think that when a lot of us first learned about intensive, this certainly happened to me. We think that an intensive is five, eight hour days in a row, right? Smashing through targets like, I don't know what, but you know, just knocking them down, right? Um, but, and then we think maybe that's the right way to do intensives, right? Um, and that if that's the right way, we better do it that way. And we better get through everything in that time. But what if you feel like, I don't know if I can offer that. It's too much. It just sounds like another exquisitely exhausting therapy model. And I don't want to do it. Right. And, you know, in private practice, what we're hoping for is freedom, flexibility, more time. And what if like, I don't want to do that. That sounds like I'd be out for the rest of the month. And again, that might be what you want to do. But it's not for everyone and it doesn't have to be. Um, and if we decide that we are more suited to offering something else, like for me, my 15-hour model of an intensive, we're worried, oh, no, we're not going to be giving clients what they want or expect out of an intensive. And what they expect is to finish therapy forever in a week. <laughs> 
you know, some therapists don't have the capacity. Some clients don't have the capacity. That's exhausting. I just got done with a four-hour intensive day with a client. She was ready to go home. She was done. We did our two hours, our lunch break, two hours. She did great work. We got through three targets, three tough targets, and she was ready to go home. So as was I. <laughs> um, yeah. So just to normalize that that model doesn't have to be for you. But when we think that's the only way, <clears throat> we're going to think like that's the only way to get the kind of results that people want. So that's what I have to offer. I disagree. And so what about clients thinking this? Like I was just talking a lot about some therapist misconceptions. But what about clients? I don't think that this is as much of a problem as therapists thinking that they have to fix everything in an intensive, you know, whatever fix means. But I do think that as the word about EMDR and EMDR intensive starts to get out, which generally I think is great, we can have clients coming in with higher expectations, right? Um, something that's happened to me on several occasions is that I'll get a referral from a more traditional talk therapist who has told their client that EMDR will quote, get them through their trauma, which is to say, help the client move past something that the talk therapist has not made much headway on with the client. Now, of course, this can and does happen. Um, we can often make excellent progress with clients um, in these arrangements. I love working adjunctively that way. Right now, I'm doing an intensive with someone who has a primary therapist, but this client suffered a really traumatic um, loss related to birthing and her therapist that's not her area of expertise she also isn't an emdr therapist this person came to me we're doing great right that's a wonderful way to work and she has an amazing relationship with her primary therapist to support her through the intensive and to go back to um but you know it can put pressure on us the emdr therapist from like both the talk therapist and the client like oh this person's gonna fix you you can fix this go fix it fix it quickly come back to Send the client back to me and we'll return with, to our regularly scheduled therapy programming without this thing being in the way anymore, right? And the client may have been sold on this, quote, fix from their non-EMDR therapist who doesn't really know what EMDR entails, right? And, uh-oh, if we, the EMDR therapist, can't, quote, fix it, are we failing? Are we not good enough? Are we not skilled enough? Are we not competent enough? Of course not, Right. We're talking about human beings and their nervous systems, not a faulty car part that can be swapped out and get the car back on the road, right? EMDR is in the media. Um, EMDR, the word about EMDR is out on the street. Intensives too. You know, it's, it's on TV. It's in movies. There are articles in the New York Times. You know, Prince Harry talks about his EMDR. It's all over social media. And again, this is fantastic for raising awareness about this powerful model, and it is great advertising for us, like people already know about this before they come to us. We don't have to do as much explaining and selling of the model itself, but it can bring clients to us whose expectations are not necessarily aligned with the reality of what an EMDR intensive or even just weekly hourly EMDR can offer. I think an intensive can create some more pressure at times because the intensive model seems to suggest like, I've decided on this length of time because it's the amount of time we need to get through all of this and get it done. That's not why I've chosen my 15-hour model. I've chosen my 15-hour model because it works for me as a therapist. And I do think we get through a lot in that time, but it's not because I, it's the amount of time that I think will resolve this person's problem forever, right? It's because it's what makes sense to me. And we can, you know, add more time to that if the client wants, but I'm not promising 
that that's the perfect amount of time, right? So a bit about how <coughs> we as therapists maybe believe that an intensive should resolve everything a client can bring in, a bit about how clients themselves might think that. So, and then now let's talk about how to address those beliefs, okay? If they come up from a client or if you're thinking them yourself. First of all, I want you to know right now that no matter how much excellent work you do with a client in an intensive, there will always be more that they can do. Of course, right? We are incredibly complex beings. Our nervous systems are so finely tuned and unique to each of us. We all have our own history and we all have things that continue to happen to us that our history informs, right? Um, and that goes for the clients and for the therapists, right? And the therapeutic dyad, each member of the dyad influences the other, right? So each therapeutic dyad is going to produce different results, right? Because of the nervous system of the client and the nervous system of the therapist, they will influence one another, they will interact with one another, consciously, subconsciously, and unconsciously. Our attachment histories will interact with each other. And so every single dyad is unique. Um, you know, and just as a fact of who we are and what that signals to our client's nervous system because of who they are, without them even knowing it, because of that relationship and that interaction, that dynamic, it will mean that some targets, some topics, some areas will feel safe in that dyad and some may not. And we might never be aware of that. The client might not ever be aware of that. But they might work with another therapist later on, and that might that therapist might signal safety to them in a different way, and then those areas can be worked on, right? And that's okay. That's the beauty and reality of working as a therapist who is also a human being. And unless you're a robot therapist, you're a therapist working as a human being. And if you're a robot therapist, I'm dying to meet you, so let me know how things are going. Um, blah, 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 I'm looking at my notes. Where am I? Oh yeah. And a client's readiness is going to vary for EMDR, of course, even if they come into an intensive, right? Some clients will feel extremely prepared to dive into trauma processing and fully into this intensive model. Some clients think they are extremely prepared, but they're not. Some clients in an intensive, even in an intensive, will have to go more slowly and may only get through a couple of targets. All of that is okay and all of it is a worthwhile experience. Even if we spend a lot of time in phases one and two with a, with a very, very complex client, they're gonna get a ton out of that. I've talked in other episodes about how intensives and dissociation don't necessarily, you know, isn't an, dissociation isn't an automatic rule out and what you can actually use an intensive experience for with those clients. Um, so, you know, a client who finds the intensive to be challenging and maybe doesn't make as much, quote, progress as another client is still making progress. And they may decide after the intensive to continue with hourly EMDR to work on more material, either with you, if you're open to it, or with another EMDR therapist. They might decide to come in once a month for two hours for a booster session with you if you are okay with that and that works for your schedule. But all progress is progress. And if this is the client's first experience with EMDR or with an intensive, their expectations are probably not as elevated as your expectations for yourself are, okay? You're likely putting a lot more pressure on yourself than they are putting on you. Um, I've talked a lot about the Disney Fast Pass analogy for intensives, and I know it's now called the Disney Genie Plus or whatever for you Disney heads. 
but that doesn't sound as good for this analogy. I was at Disney in November and it was called the Genie Plus, whatever, I think. <laughs> Disney Genie. Anyway, but you know. So, no, 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 it was Lightning Lane. You use the Disney Genie to register for the Lightning Lane. Oh my gosh. Anyway, but the Fast Pass analogy. Um, a Fast Pass doesn't mean you'll never wait in a line ever again in your life. Um, it means that you'll get through a lot of stuff more quickly on that visit. But the next time you come to Disney, you're going to need another one. Uh, okay, maybe the analogy isn't perfect, but you get the point. Accelerated results at, for that time, but not be all and end all results. You're going to go on more rides, but you're not going to go on every ride. And if you come back again, you know, you're going to have to engage in the same process, right? So accelerated results, but not be all and end all results. So how do you talk to clients about this? Again, like I just said, I urge you to remember that your expectations for yourself are likely a lot higher than your client's expectations. So just let that soothe you a little bit if it can, okay? If you do what you know how to do, follow the yellow brick road of the eight phase protocol and the three prongs, there will be progress and movement, okay? I think you can promise that to a client. I mean, there's going to be maybe a rare exception where someone just is not ready, willing, able, whatever to do EMDR at all. That happened to me once or twice, but those are, you know, exceptions, very rare. Okay. Um, right. So there will be progress. And I do think you can promise that to a client. Okay. But beyond that, of course, you temper expectations, right? You don't make any hard and fast promises, just like you never would for any client for anything ever, right? Even when you were a talk therapist, right? Um, you acknowledge from the beginning that everyone is different and that you cannot guarantee what's possible. Certainly not before you've met someone or really started phase in phases three and four. And not even then, not even when you're in phase four. Parts of clients that they don't even know exist may emerge at unexpected times, creating processing blocks. I think one thing that I do when I'm in an intensive that can help me with these fears about we're not doing enough is that like, at the midday break, again, I'm using my model where I have a 15 hours, so like one and a half hour, two hour um, kind of intake workbook, that section, and then like three full days of intensive treatment. Um, and that's two hours, hour break, two hours. So at the midday break, right before we're about to go on the midday break, or right when we come back, I sort of review with the client, like, and then also at the end of each intensive day, and then of course, at the end of the whole thing, you know, what have we accomplished? What has felt good? What has felt hard? What can we do differently? Like just getting feedback is so valuable as a therapist. And, you know, with EMDR, there's almost like concrete, more concrete ways to talk about that feedback, right? Like this target, that target, this resource, that resource. Um, and that feedback will be soothing to your nervous system. It will also soothe the client as they reflect on the experience. It'll give you some hard and fast data to like lean on when you're feeling anxious. You're basically checking in on your treatment plan, which is good, you know, care, standards of care anyway, right? No, no matter what the, um, the modality is. And also remind yourself when you're having these anxieties about not doing enough, Remind yourself about all the times that intensives or hourly EMDR that you've done and, and when they've gone well, okay, about the kinds of results you've gotten. This will help ground you. This will help soothe you. It's so important to keep those in your back pocket for yourself and also 
They're great examples to share with clients who are wondering about what will get accomplished in their treatment. Okay, so you have a few really good examples to share. You know, and of course, anytime you're sharing any of this, you're going to keep everything anonymous, of course. But a few well-chosen examples can be really helpful for the client to understand what's possible in that time and to also help you feel more confident. So just a few thoughts on how to keep that voice in your head in check, that voice that says that if you don't resolve everything a client brings to you in an intensive, that somehow you failed and you're a terrible EMDR therapist. Maybe some of you don't have that voice, and that's great, but I have talked to enough people about it that I thought it was worth recording an episode. Um, in this episode, we talked a bit about why therapists think that this is a thing, that they should be able to fix everything, why clients might have some unrealistic expectations, and then how to keep those expectations and those the expectations of your clients in check. Um, I think these are all important, almost like, um, you know, informed consent pieces for a client, right? You're not promising something you're not going to deliver, and you're talking to them about what is possible and what are some of the likely outcomes so that they know what they're signing on for, right? And it's okay if they ask you this during the consult call, and that's even more of a reason to have a few examples that you can refer to. Um, so if this is anything you'd like to have some guidance on or someone to bounce things off of, you can always reach out to me for more support. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Future Template Parent, post a lot of content there. Um, please check out my website, www.futuretemplateparent.com. If you haven't already, you can sign up for my email list there so you can get updates on all of my offerings and intensive support. Um, so I hope you all have a wonderful week. And next week, interesting topic that I don't think I've touched on at all before, um, virtual intensives. Can they be done? Are they useful? How do you do them? Um, yeah, so I'm excited to, I'm going to do a little reading on this one. I, a little research, I think, because um, it's a little bit of a new topic to me, too. So I'm excited to explore it a bit. So tune in for that. And thank you, as always, for listening. And have a great week. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Future Template Parent Podcast. I hope you've learned something that can help you move from feeling overwhelmed to energized about your practice and your personal life. You don't have to choose one over the other. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And please share it with another EMDR therapist who would benefit from hearing this episode. Each review helps us get the message out about how offering EMDR intensives can liberate your practice. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app so you don't miss a single episode. See you next week.